Welcome to Flowcast. I'm Sister Beth Murphy. Today, it's my privilege to bring you a Dominican family conversation about human rights. The United Nations Universal Charter on Human Rights is close to celebrating its 75th birthday. And it is not wrong to say that Dominicans have been deeply involved with human rights for more than 500 years. To explore that Dominican connection with us are two very special guests, Dominicans both. Father Anieri Okure is the Promoter General of Justice, Peace, and the Care of Creation for the Global Dominican Family, and the Permanent Delegate of the Order to the United Nations Human Rights Council in Geneva. Based in Rome, his itinerary in the weeks that we've been negotiating a date to have this conversation has included the Philippines, Solomon Islands, and Uganda. His next stop is Ghana, for which he leaves tomorrow. (laughs) Welcome. So welcome, Father Anietti. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Sister Dusty Farnan has also been traveling the world on behalf of the Order of Preachers. She's the UN main representative for the Dominican Leadership Conference and is, as we speak, on a stopover in Rome as she returns to New York from Egypt, where she has been a participant in the UN Global Summit on Climate Change at Sharm el-Sheikh. Sister Dusty is an Adrian Dominican sister, so welcome to you, Dusty. Thanks, Beth. Good to be with you. You know, uh, both... I just need to say this. Both Father Anietti and Sister Dusty are sitting uh, in offices at Santa Sabina, which is the Dominican global headquarters in Rome. And it's a location where the collaborative work of the order really comes to life. So uh, I wanted to share that with our listeners because I think it's important for them to know and to see that we work together the, the priests, the sisters, the brothers, in our Dominican mission of preaching the gospel. So thanks to both of you for arranging your schedules so that we could talk. I'd like to start with an overview of the Dominican role in the development of human rights. The UN Charter is nearly 75 years old, but it's only 75 years old. What was the scene for human rights like when the Dominicans first began to talk about it more than 500 years ago? Uh, is that something you, you could help us with, Father Anietti? Uh, thank you very much. You are absolutely right. The Dominicans go way back in the promotion and protection of human rights. Uh, let me pinpoint a place in history in terms of during the quote, exploration of the new world, the Americas today, when the, the explorers from Spain we engage in all kinds of violations of human rights of the good indigenous people in the new world, as they call it then. So what came to our Dominicans in Spain, especially those who were in Salamanca. So uh, the Dominican family there, led by Francesco de Vitoria, sent a delegation to the king of Spain complaining that the Spaniards were abusing the indigenous people and citing a law that prevents Spaniards 
from violation of human rights, you know, abusing people. There was a counter argument by the explorers who came and said, well, you've cited the law of Spain, but this law was enacted for Spain and the crime is committed outside of Spain. You know, being smart Dominicans that they are, yeah? <laughs> they came back and said, well, the law was made for Spaniards, right? And so the crime is bounding on the citizens of Spain, regardless of where they are. So even though the crimes are not committed within the territories of Spain, they are bound by it. You know? So they can say, oh, it's not in Spain, but the law was made for the Spaniards and follows them along. And so really that set up, uh, opened up a whole new perspective on seeing, we shall come to that later, the applicability of law number one, and seeing how a law to protect human beings is not limited by nationality, but applicable to all human beings beyond boundaries. So, I mean, we'll come back to that. Let me stop there. Maybe Sister Dusty might chime in before we go forward. Oh, Father Ani, that is really a very good point. Um, I think in modern day history, we don't think that law of, in our country abides, um, restricts us from breaking the law somewhere else. And so this is a kind of a new concept. I'm not sure that um, Americans as such would believe that they weren't bound by a law in their own country outside of their country. But we, you remind me of the story of the first Spaniards that went to the Dominican Republic, then Española, and when Montesino and the friars there were mindful of what was happening, as you said, to the indigenous mestizo. That's when the famous words, Conde Terecho, by what right? So by what right can you abuse the Indians. And eventually they heard that story and they heard that complaint. And in the chapel, when Montesino was pronouncing those words, were the soldiers, the Spanish soldiers. And those soldiers heard the preaching going on in the chapel in 1511, the first Sunday of Advent. And so I think it's really an important story for us that our efforts towards ending, towards defending human rights actually began way back then and goes on till today. So that's just one little additional story. Thank you uh, for sharing that, Dusty. And I recall having visited the United Nations, seeing there a statue of the Dominican friar that, that Anietti just mentioned, Francesco Vittorio. Why is that Dominican statue near your office at the UN in New York, Dusty? You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I think it's because it's the first person in the world that we know of that was defending the human rights of all peoples. He was not just defending the rights of the people in Salamanca, 
but also of the world. So he's the first international lawyer that we know of. And that was the beginning of international law and, the, and defending human rights. So therefore, he's, he stands very tall and um, very prominent in the foyer or the plaza of the United Nations in New York. And you walk past that statue every day on your way to work? Yes. Yes, in the office at the United Nations in Geneva, the Grand Hall is named uh, Salle de Victoria in French, the uh, Grand Hall of de Victoria, in recognition of that. And why the statue is in New York and the hall in Geneva and in other places is because the, the Dominicans in Salamanca went beyond just defending human rights. They also, in that context, given quote, the transnational applicability of law they just defended, talked about the necessity of nations with same values, with like minds, coming together to work for the common good. In fact, that, that argument, no, that not an argument, that concept gave rise to what was called the League of Nations, which today is the United Nations. So there, there are two things here that members of the Dominican order should be proud of. One, <laughs> the, that members of our family laid the seed to international law, number one. And members of the Dominican family were at the beginning conceiving of nations coming together to work for the common good, to share like minds, like values. So all that goes back to the Dominicans. So sometimes we are asked, why are you at the UN? Well, 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 you know, we have something to do for it. <laughs> so we should be there. You know, We have something to do about this foundation. We have something to do about international law. We have something to do about the, the League of Nations. So, hey, we should be there and continue what we started, or at least what we gave rise to. You are absolutely right. And now that we have established our Dominican bona fides for being present at the United Nations, I'd like to hear from each of you about what you do there. So how about if we start with you, Dusty? What is your role in the Office for the Dominicans at the UN in New York? And what does your day look like? Well, um, you can plan one thing and it turns out to be something else. But primarily, I work, if you will, in the U.S., we took, use the term coalition. So at the U.N., I work with many other NGOs, since that's what the Dominican Leadership Conference is, it's an NGO. I work with several others on different issues. So some of the issues that I am following on behalf of Dominicans worldwide is the issue of migration, but migration due to displacement from climate change. And the second one is to work on proliferation of nuclear weapons. I'm also addressing the issues in collaboration with what's called the Mining Working Group. And I co-chair the subcommittee on the Amazon and work with Father Danielle LeBlanc, who is a OMI, and the two of us work together with other members of our coalition to actually work with indigenous in Peru, Ecuador, and Brazil. And those 
ecclesiastical conferences that they are part of so that we can help again to work on the issues of deforestation, mining, and those kinds of major conflicts that are in those countries. And then, of course, the Commission on the Status of Women and working with Dominicans and actually finding out what Dominicans are doing. Particularly, most recently, we asked for some input about how are the Dominicans attending to the Commission on the Status of Women theme from last year, which was working with rural women and their empowerment. And so we got a wonderful response from our Dominican sisters in Pakistan and in India and in Colombia, Ecuador, and Brazil, which allowed us to write a statement, a written statement, and send it in in October for the upcoming commission in March so that we can tell the story of what Dominican women are doing around the rights of empowering women, especially rural women. In addition, I also follow what's known as the social protection. And that is all of, you know, what, what is it that people need protecting from? And what is it that we need, what rights are, do they have that we're trying to uphold? And so I work on that particular commission. Those are just some of the things. But again, we work in coalition with one another with other NGOs. That's some of the work that we're doing at the UN. And of course, the climate change is really large in our portfolio. So you are working in a common space for the common good, and not just for one nation or one geographic area, but for people all over the world. And when you mention the Dominican family throughout the world, that is really what gives you the authority of your voice at the UN, is it not? And I think that's probably the same for Father Anietti's work in Geneva. Would, would you like to talk to us a little bit about what you're doing there and what are your main projects? Yes, uh, let me talk briefly about the broad perspective and then we can go into the details. Generally, the UN office in Geneva is focused on human rights specifically speaking. And so in, in a way, we have a leverage with the UN as a, uh, a member with ECOSOC status at the United Nations, you know, to have economic and cultural rights, you know, so we have that. We engage in universal periodic review, UPR, Every country gets reviewed every four years, and that's an opportunity for us to work with partners on the ground, Dominicans on the ground and others, to gather information on specific issues about that particular country. And we bring it to the attention of the UN. We engage in advocacy to address the issues, building coalition. Uh, for example, in the office, we stay in Geneva. We are working side by side with the Franciscans, uh, Vivat, Edmund Rice, uh, the Maris Brothers, uh, the Sisters of the Good Shepherd, and uh, Sisters of St. Vincent de Paul. So we build coalition. There's a big coalition of uh, Catholic organizations there and Geneva Interfaith Forum. So we work together to address issues of human rights. But on a part, we engage in training. 
on the ground. We train uh, members on the ground on how to document human rights abuses, how to gather information, how to cross-check facts so that uh, what we bring to the UN is not on hearsay. And we want to, them to do it in such a way that what we bring is not second-hand information, much less false, because if the facts we bring are not accurate, then we lose our credibility. We, we also, uh, as I say, we, we depend on, in this gathering information on the ground. Luckily, the Dominican family is spread over 120 countries. So we have a large presence. And uh, when we gather in fact, whether it be on the five continents, wherever we are, so, so that gives us leverage. And based on that, we bring these facts to the floor of the UN. We have chances to deliver statements. Depending on what it is, it can be three minutes, which is the longest, to 90 seconds, you know. <laughs> and so what you have to say, you have to articulate it in such a way that in 90 seconds, you say what you have to say, make your point, otherwise the mic is off. And you will go like this, your mouth is moving, but nobody is hearing you. So that's on the broad perspective what we do, but we have... A lot of things we could talk about, whether it be Dominican Republic, the Sugarcane Company, Ivory Coast with juvenile incarceration, the Philippines with uh, black sand mining, uh, Solomon Island. So there are a lot of things we could talk about. Or the Democratic Republic of the Congo with uh, the miners who are engaged there in abuses. So um, when that time comes, you can cue us in on specific things to talk about. Wonderful. And I, and I think we've reached that time. I would love to hear a story, Father Anietti, from your most recent trips, if you like. What were you doing in the Solomon Islands? Why were you there? And, and what does that have to do with your work in Geneva? Yeah, we went to the Solomon Island. I say we, because we went as a coalition, the Franciscans International, where we share office. So we, have a, we had a delegation of four the, going to the Solomon Islands. We went there because we've been learning about human rights abuses really in relation to the logging industry. Centuries-old forest is being decimated by companies. The ecological system damaged so much. And there are miners who are sometimes not even sure whether the minerals are there, but they're just tearing the earth up in search of mining. So there is serious violations of the ecology and human rights relating to that. So that's why we went. over Before we went, we'd been speaking with the Dominican sisters there especially. And as, as a matter of fact, last year, we beamed in by Zoom uh, sister Teresa Tebias, you know, Dominican sister, they, to deliver a statement at the UN floor, you know, <laughs> about the logging. It was awesome, really. So, so we went there to see things for ourselves. We, in coalition with the Franciscans, we worked with the Dominican sisters, the Dominican friars in Solomon Island, and that brought also in coalition the Society of St. Francis, which is the Anglican version of the Franciscans. 
and then uh, sisters of the church, which is the Anglican uh, version of the Franciscan sisters. So this group, the friars, uh, the delegation from Geneva, uh, Franciscans International from Geneva, Dominican sisters in Solomon Island, Dominican friars, Franciscan sisters and brothers in, so six of, of us, we went visiting village after village. We went to the forest, we went to mining places, and we saw unbelievable atrocities committed by the companies there. First, the woods have been cut recklessly, and it has provoked an ecological disaster. Number one, the wildlife there has been scattered. Wild pigs are now going down the farms, digging up farm produce and eating them because they have destroyed the forest. Insects are flowing around and birds are scattered. So there is real ecological damage done there. But on top of that is that these companies, by cutting off the woods, they cause erosion when it rains. So people who are, who are depending on streams to drink water no longer have good water to drink. And of course, as you know, access to water is one of the basic human rights. So that's a direct violation there. Even worse is that they generated child sex slavery linked to the workers there. And some foreign workers go as far as, quote, marrying those young girls, you know, while they are there. But when their contract ends, they just pack and go, leave the girls and the child alone. They just flee the country. So the, we were documenting all of that, hoping to see how we would bring it more to advocacy at the UN. In the meantime, the Dominican sisters are very interested in rehabilitating those young women and seeing how they could work together to sensitize the communities to try to stop what is uh, happening to them. Thank you for being our representative there, for being our eyes and ears, and for bringing those stories to attention on the global stage. I mean, I, I can't think of anything more Dominican <laughs> than what you're doing. That's a powerful story about what's happening in the Solomon Islands. Dusty, how about you? Do you have a, a story to share about your own um, personal experience of intervention on behalf of human rights for people anywhere in the world? Well, I'm just thinking of, uh, I'll go back to the Solomon Islands because in the spring of this year, the Commission on the Status of Women was looking at how are women being empowered, but most of all, how are they being affected by climate change? And one of the, so connecting with our sisters from the Dominican Sisters International Coordinating Committee, Sister Bernadette got me in a place with the, the Dominicans in, in the Solomon Islands. And so the sisters told their story about how they're losing their land due to climate change. And one of their nephews did a fantastic little video. It's only maybe a minute and three seconds or something. And you see the children playing on the ground and having a good time. And the next thing you see is a little river of water coming in. And pretty soon you see the children 
and the little boat that they've made out of a tire. Or you've seen them take their flip-flop and they put a, a, a little rope on the end of a stick and attach it to their flip-flop and run it around as if it's a little boat. Because pretty soon these children are not going to have a place to play. They will be ex escorted off of their islands. Because, you know, as water comes into islands, people move further and further into the island, but the island is only so big. And then there's no more land. And so many of them are beginning to be displaced. I think a very important thing I want to just bring up is there is a law. It is, affects all countries, not just some. And the law is, and this is referring to what Aniedi was talking about when it came to mining and deforesting, that there has to be free prior consent before anybody can go into those territories. If they don't have that, they're violating a law, the rights of those people who live there. And this we see especially among the indigenous in Peru, Brazil, Ecuador, and those countries, because that's where a lot of illegal mining and deforestation is going on. And so we're constantly trying to be alert to if anyone is following the law, by asking for a free prior consent. This was a big issue in Brazil, particularly. And so, I, although I don't have my own direct story, my direct link, because I don't do the same kind of visiting that Father Ani Eri is able to. But I think uh, another issue I just want to say about human rights, is sometimes we think of human rights just about us, but there are other rights. The right to a healthy environment, is the latest resolution that came out in August of the UN in New York City. So the very fact that you and I have a right to a, a good human environment is extremely important. A healthy environment, not just any kind of environment. We, we have the right to water. And this is a huge issue right now in the UN, probably in Geneva as well as in, in New York. And in March of next year, there will be a large conference co-hosted by the Netherlands and Tajikistan. These two countries have chosen to be partners in actually bringing the first water conference to the UN in 47 years. So March 22nd to the 24th, the whole focus is on water. And so I'm working with the Mining Working Group subcommittee we on water task force so that we can add a new addition to our publication that came out in 2017. Still a valid publication, but what's new? What's been happening since 2017? And so this is one of the things that we're working on. And that's why at COP27, there was so much on water and how important water is. So as Ani Eddy mentioned earlier, that's a human right to have safe drinking water, to have water where there's enough water. And in many places, there isn't sufficient water. And so we all have to find ways in which we can help one another conserve on water where we live, where, even if it's the first world versus the more developing countries. We have a huge obligation to, as in a way, to defend that human right towards water by how we take care of the water ourselves.
let me take up another issue that is way there, not too far from the US at the backyard, and it concerns the Dominican Republic, which uh, Dusty mentioned earlier. Um, we, for, for uh, about two, three years, we have been following a case of a sugar cane company called Central Romana Corporation. That is uh, mother, the mother company is in the US, but operating in the Dominican Republic. And it been engaged, it's been engaged in serious human rights violations of the sugar cane workers, many of them from Haiti. Even to the extent that they would take uh, taxes for government and they don't pay back. They don't give uh, you know, benefits like social security, yes but they don't give to the workers over time. Some have been working there 20 plus years. So what happened is that we, we have been following the case and it came to a hit where the company dislocated families from their land, babies included, in, so that they can use that plot for sugar cane. And our brother Miguel Angel there reached out to us and we went, you know, complaining, bringing it to the UN, even engaging the service of a lawyer from Miami who get the case. So back and forth, and they've gone around trying to bribe government officials. Luckily for us, as we were doing that, the Pandora's paper came out. Eh? <laughs> and in the meantime, Washington Post had called our office in Geneva, interviewing, finding out what were we doing there. The Pandora's paper came out just at the nick of time, and this sugar uh, company, Central Romana, was mentioned in the Pandora's paper. So the journalists at the New uh, Washington Post thought, oh, God has buttered my bread. So, so she, she incorporated all that, and it came to the attention that the U.S. Congress called for investigation, which was awesome. So you see how little noise here and there can gain attention and magnify it. So now that the, the Congress called an investigation because the company, the mother company, is, is a U.S.-based company, so things are moving on. So sometimes we do something little, even just making noise. Like our sister Catherine of Siena said, when you see injustice, even if you can't do something else, at least cry out as with a million voices because silence kills the world. So sometimes a little noise in New York, in Geneva or Vienna goes a long way. So that's one thing. The second I want to talk about is that in Ivory Coast, in a West African country, something happened that is really not just a violation of children, but a violation of cultural norms. In traditional Africa, you don't put children into jail. In fact, there is a saying that there is no bush good enough for you to discard a bad child, you know. But what happened in this country was that there was an increasing incarceration of children, you know, teenagers, adolescents, and they were cut off from visits from their families. So we reached out to the Dominican families who brought it to attention. We, we 
had lawyers working there. So the Dominican family in Ivory Coast, we put on a seminar, brought the issue to Vienna, which is the, new, the UN office that deals with crime and drugs and juvenile and all of that prisons. So we put on a big webinar, which we had people from the US Department of State and from the UN and from, from us here and from Ivory Coast lawyers. Eventually, this gained the attention of government because we named and shamed them. You know, that's all we could do. We named and shamed them. So last year, for the first time, they not only allowed people to see the children, the Dominican family there was able to go in and celebrate Christmas in prison for the children incarcerated. So that was a big breakthrough, starting with little noise, crying out, eventually naming and shaming, it produced a great result. How beautiful. What, what hopeful, positive stories you have to share about the impact of what must some days just feel like useless, drudgery, administrative work. So from that comes a great hope. I am going to ask the question that St. Paul asked. Tell me, how are you ready to account for your hope? What is the source of, of the hope that the two of you carry for human rights in our world? Well, I, I, I think as Dominicans, I don't think you can live without hope. <laughs> and so the source of my hope is that together, we Dominicans, we can make a difference. And together, not one of us and not one other, but all of us together, we are the hope for the world. And we are our own hope so that we, and our hope in God, that God will be with us. The Spirit is always with us when we do our work. But I think it's the fact that we all belong to the sisterhood and together we, and the fatherhood, <laughs> the priesthood. But so together we, we garner our hope from one another so that we will leave a better world for the, for the grandchildren of our families, for the future young adults, because uh, if we don't, I, I, I think it might count against us if we don't have hope and if we don't try to do something. So we, in a way, we don't have any choice. It's, I always say it's part of our DNA as Dominicans to work for justice and peace and to work because we believe we are hopeful men and women. And so there, you can't not, not do it because it's just part of who you are. Thank you. How about you, Father Anietti? Yes, I pick up the same thing. We cannot not have hope, <laughs> really. Uh, yes. And one of the things that uh, really makes me wake up, even though on the one hand, I see the intrigues of the dark side of humanity increasing. But yet I remember St. Paul, you say, I will ask you St. Paul's question here. You know, I go back to the scripture, where sin abound, grace was even more abundant, you know. So I see the increase in human rights violations, but I'm also seeing the determination of people, even putting their lives on the line, you know. So that gives me hope. And sometimes people who are so fragile, even physically speaking, 
you know, walking into people who are armed to the teeth with machine guns and stuff and said, enough is enough. That gives me hope. That, And when I look at the Dominican family, um, I am so proud to be a Dominican. And somebody had asked me, if you reincarnate, what religious community would you join? I couldn't even wait for him to finish Dominican. <laughs> You know, I'm so proud to belong to a family spread over the world on five continents, 120 countries, but with men and women, including young people who are so talented, so gifted, so determined to do the right thing, so determined to under, in the understanding that we are brothers and sisters created in the image of God, and we are obligated to continue in perfecting the work of creation by fashioning a better world, as Sister Dusty put it, for our children and grandchildren and the future generation. That determination, those talents I see in the family gives me hope. So that even when I'm weighed down by the evil I see, I say, hmm, grace is even more abundant. You know, evil cannot win. Amen. Amen. There's a famous American children's actor who said, Look for the, the look for the helpers. And what I hear you saying is, as Dominicans, we look for the grace. And when you start looking for it, you see it everywhere. Thank you so much to my Dominican sister and brother, Dusty Farnan and Anietti Okura. And thank you for your work at the United Nations. This has been Flowcast, a production of the Dominican Sisters of Springfield for the Life of the World cast. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts or visit our website landing page, flowcastlisten.org, to hear this episode and all of the other episodes of Flowcast. Great thanks to my teammates, Flowcast editor extraordinaire, Brandon Durham, and our marketing director, Jean Ann Miller. Thank you so much. And until next time, God bless. Thank you.